Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Rhythm. Rhythm is a Dark Souls speedrunner um, who was gracious enough to come on the podcast and tell me all about the various speedrunning techniques. Uh, this was originally going to be a part of a series um, of speedrunning episodes that I was going to release during this year's SGDQ. Unfortunately, the schedule and some other things just kind of got mixed up, and I was not able to do that. However, Rhythm was nice enough to come in and talk about their experiences with the Souls games, with Bloodborne, and with everything in between. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode. I feel like I've always known about the existence of Dark Souls. I've always known about it, like, as this uh, amazing hardcore game for, you know, the most elite of gamers. And uh, I never thought I'd play it, really. Uh, but then I think there was one day at school, one of my friends was interested and said, like, hey, get it, and we'll play together. And so we did. And uh, we played, I think, that was Dark Souls 1. Uh, we played, I think, up until like Sense Fortress, and then we basically gave up. Uh, I deleted my character, started brand new, got to like Arlando, <laughs> deleted again because I, I was using the. I remember this. I was using the Uchi Katana, uh, and I infused it with lightning. Don't do that, by the way. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, and yeah, I just couldn't get past uh, some enemies, so. I gave up on that character, and then I basically quit Dark Souls for a couple months until I met another friend online, and he basically carried me through the entire game on co-op for like two playthroughs, uh, and then I finally like started watching speedruns, picking up some strats. Uh, finally, you know, got good at the game, got quote unquote good at the game, and I've basically I've always been interested. In interested in speedrunning so at two and two and you get four <laughs> now i'm here so the dark souls was your first game to speedrun no it was far from it i've uh, done of super meat boy and other platformers before that and super meat boy being the biggest name uh i find super meat boy too hard to play like just normally so <laughs> And then watching yeah. watching speedruns of that game is is sort of like one of those things like you're like how do they do that like I know it's long hours of practice and you know lots of lots of skill but it still it looks like magic right like when people just breeze yeah. through those levels it's just it, it's pure it's, magic to me. The Meat Boy speedruns are insane. Uh, I think the current 106 record, which is the the hundred percent of that game, basically do everything has one death. Jeez, that's an, that's yeah. insanity. What uh when you started speedrunning Dark Souls, uh what like did you look at other um techniques and tactics and like look at the current like like world's the current world's record and go, Okay, I'm yeah, gonna do of that. Course. Is that how you started? Of course. I've been watching Dark Souls speedruns for at least half a year before I actually picked up the game for to to run myself. Okay. So I've already uh, I already knew a bunch of the strats and tricks. And it was just learning them and executing them. 
what is the because uh, I've done this before too. I, I love watching. I love Dark Souls. Period. So like watching people play Dark Souls has always been fun, and uh, watching people speed run Dark Souls is, or Bloodborne or what have you has always been a good time. Um, and then trying to like seeing stuff like you know the Duke skip comes to mind because somebody was just talking about it with me. Um, seeing that skip and then executing that skip is such a like the, the, there's a huge disparity between those two. Like being able to watch it and like, like, oh yeah, that's how you do it, and then actually go do it are two totally different things. Uh, what are your like? How long? Like how? Like, what was your skill level? Were you picking up the stuff pretty quick, or did it take like long hours uh, of practice? Or oh, it, it never really took long hours of practice. I think the hardest trick I've had to learn was move swap, which took me like I don't know two hours of attempts. I think before I got it consistent ish. I still miss it. I mean, everyone still misses it sometimes, just some people more rarely than others. Uh, but yeah, most of the tricks are pretty straightforward, and if you ask about it in the Speed Souls Discord, there's plenty of people always willing to help. There's plenty of uh, videos with setups, stuff like that. And the Speed Souls Wiki is very helpful when it comes to learning. Does that... Uh obviously you would play dark souls you were watching people speed run dark Souls, and you're probably just like watching videos in general does yeah. speed running the game kind of ruin just playing the game normally to you or is that or can they coexist mm-hmm. at the same time they can definitely coexist if you uh let me just drop a name here uh Miltrift on twitch as a uh like i'd say pretty popular uh dark souls speedrunner slash casual player he does like Sometimes speedruns, sometimes permadeath attempts with no glitches whatsoever. And it's, it's like, it really shows that the game, speedrunning it doesn't ruin it casually at all. Uh, because there's just so much variety in the game. There's so many weapons, there's so many, you know, upgrade paths, builds, all of that to just mess around with. Uh, I'd say speedrunning actually enhances the casual experience because you don't struggle as much on one hand. And uh, some of the glitches can actually make casual playthroughs more interesting, in my opinion. Interesting. Do you do you find yourself like use, utilizing the glitches? Like in a normal playthrough, would you? Oh yeah, definitely. Do, you you actually like you, you start move swapping and things like that just in a normal uh, as well. Depends. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm if I'm like doing a so for example permadeath or a challenge run, I probably won't move swap because that's to be fair, that's pretty broken. Yeah. Uh, but I'll do stuff like tumble buffing because that, in my opinion, is one of the most fun glitches. It makes basically every weapon viable uh, for like the end game and stuff like that. So tumble buff is really fun. Uh, just soul duping and humanity duping is it's literally just a time saver. I, I could go and kill hollows for two hours, or I could do assault a bustle twice. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. I've uh, I've always been a big supporter of um, like w- way back in the console days of Dark Souls One, uh, like the the bottomless box glitch, so you could just you know give another character all of your uh, items and stuff like that. Like I earned it the first time, right? Like I'm not, it's not yeah. cheating. Like I just don't <laughs> want to do it all again on a like a PvP gimmick or anything. I, I, I realize we're using some terminology that that the audience might not be familiar with. Can you explain exactly what move swap is? Uh, move swap is basically tricking the game. Uh, so in Dark Souls 1, you're only allowed to hand your weapons in the right hand. Uh, the one exception to that being the bow. Uh, the bow you can two hand in your left hand. 
So what you do is you do an animation, like a jump, for example. Then in that animation, you queue up the action of two-handing your bow with your left hand. And then while that animation is playing out, you go into your menu and swap out the bow for a different weapon. And uh, that lets you two-hand any weapon in your left hand. And uh, it tries to... Uh, it, it, the game still thinks in some way that it's a bow. And a bow doesn't have a running attack, a rolling attack, or a plunging attack. So the game is confused and will just take those attacks from your right-hand weapon. So you can, for example, equip the Great Club in your left-hand weapon, two-handed with this glitch, and have a rapier in your main hand. And you will have the running, rolling, and plunging attacks of the rapier on the Great Club, which are a lot faster than the normal weapon attacks. Than anything that the Great Club has. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when move swapping started um, hitting the PvP scene and just being like, I, I realize it's a it's a tough technique, and it's it's probably a very valuable technique for speed running. But uh, man, when when you bring it into PvP, I was I was really kind of bummed about it. Like I, I didn't particularly. Oh yeah, it's definitely broken for PvP. Yeah, uh, there's actually two types of moves up, and uh, one of them is can actually add depth to the PvP. Uh, I believe there was <laughs> before the remaster, there was one player uh, in the PvP scene who used the temporary move swap. Which uh, which only moves like it swaps the move set of the weapon for one attack, and then you just had the normal one. And then there's the perma swap, which is used in runs. The one I explained earlier with the bow and the rapier and all that. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the temporary move swap can change like special attacks of weapons. So for example, you know, the dragon king great axe, the drakes, or the havel shield. Uh, R2s have like special effects and you could swap them uh, so you do like a quick animation of the golem axe and do the big explosion of the dragon king great axe <laughs> it's uh, it's a mess it is dark soul has always felt so uh, incredibly fragile to me uh, just just with the way that like you can just very, so very easily break it or like all of the bugs and glitches and oh like, dark souls one is so broken <laughs> and it's and in some of the most delightful ways like the 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 old dragon head glitch was one of my favorite things in the world where oh, yeah. you would basically uh you know the the dragon head if you held the square button and used the stone like you would like kind of spit out a stream of fire yeah. Uh, but if you did this particular glitch, uh, you, you would basically be able to spit out any item that you could, and people would do it with, you know, they would machine gun knives, or they would, I remember machine gunning prism stones at one point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then just, just basically... Crash someone's game. Yeah, basically just crash the game. Yeah, it's uh, it was ridiculous yeah. and fun. Like, that, that stuff is fun, obviously, but... Yeah, yeah item swap is very funny, mm-hmm. especially with the dragon, dragon head. Have you uh do you, have you have you played or speed ran speak excuse me speed run the uh any of the other games like are you kind of caught up with the uh, series? Not really. I actually haven't beaten any of the other games except Dark Souls One. I've played two and three and Demon Souls. Uh, I've really got very far. Why they you... just kind of bored me after a while. So that you, it was just one of those things where like the it wasn't quite the game that you were looking for, so you just kind of fell off of it. Yeah. Well, with Demon Souls, I remember just getting stuck in the valley of the filemen and <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, with Dark Souls 2, I don't know why I quit exactly. I 
it didn't really get stuck. I just kind of stopped playing and never came back to it. And Dark Souls 3, I really didn't like. Didn't enjoy the game at all. So, just was yeah. it the the kind of faster combat, or I'm just curious what? Uh, I think it was. I thought the bosses were more boring because there was a lot more just dodging and a lot less attacking compared to Dark Souls One. But I guess that comes down to me being experienced in Dark Souls One somewhat, so I know when I can be aggressive and how to be aggressive without dying. While Dark Souls 3, I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like a lot of Dark Souls 3. And uh, it's one of those games where I had a really good time playing it. But the more I think about it, the less I like it, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like when I pick it up to help a friend, you know, Sunbur or Boss or whatever, like I get right back into it. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, the, this move, the movement feels great and everything feels feels fun. But if I'm, especially on this podcast when we're talking about it, because a lot of people have issues with it. I, a lot of times I just kind of think about it. I'm like, man, that... It's like the worst Souls, the worst Souls game, <laughs> but I, I don't want to yeah. diss on that game too much because it's it's kind of a, a running joke at this point. Uh, so I don't I don't want to I don't want to stomp all over it. Um, Not all over it, just slightly. Yeah, just a little just bit. Give it a bit. You know. <laughs> do you uh, like how much do you when you were playing Dark Souls for the first time? Uh, did you did you get into the, the the story of the game at all? Did you kind of pick up on the item descriptions and things like that, or are you kind no, of not into the to the story at all? Uh, first time I played, I didn't really bother. I don't think I even listened to the NPC dialogue. I just didn't really care. Uh, after a while, I uh, watched a lot of lore videos on YouTube. Kind of got interested in that, but from my own experience, I didn't really look for it. Is that something that you're into generally with games, or is it just uh, the, the kind of mm. sparseness of the story in Souls just kind of didn't really work for you? Hard to tell. Uh, I usually don't really pay much attention to story in games, but there is some exceptions. Gotcha. I'm, I'm curious on your, uh, on your kind of first run of Dark Souls 1, um, yeah. do, do you remember that build, like, on the, like when your first successful run, like when you finally got you finally stopped deleting characters, basically. <laughs> oh, uh, I have no idea. Probably the Black Knight Halberd. Yeah, let's be honest. That's like the best weapon. <laughs> I've got. Uh, there's so many people that I'm talking to that are basically doing their first Dark Souls remaster is just like going directly to that Black Knight and trying to get the Halberd oh, drop, yeah. and then restarting, going directly to the Black Knight trying to get the Halberd drop. I mean, that's that's the unfortunate thing about remaster is they fix the move swap. Yeah. So every single speedrun is Black Knight Halberd or Black Knight Halberd into magic. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm kind of curious how popular the remastered will be with speedrunners because the original is so is so easily broken. Like, is there? How do those conversations happen in the speedrunning community? If 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 you know, like the obviously people just decide to do their own game and like do the different route like do those is that all just organically yeah. like people say okay well i'm going to do the you know i'm going to do the remastered version now instead of the original version now well yeah of course that's no one can dictate what someone else plays if people want to run the yeah. remastered and then uh, i guess i guess what i was asking is um not necessarily like i'm i'm, I'm sure nobody dictates on what, what people run but uh like when that happens, do they is does the community form around that and people and or not basically? Like if one person started running remastered and nobody really, was really interested, I guess I'm not really sure what I'm asking here. Then I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
I suppose you can look at it this way that a lot of people might want to run it, but don't want to put much effort into actually routing it. So if there is already routes that exist because of, you know, leftover from DS1, just remove move swaps, remove duping, change the leveling a bit. And if there's routes and nodes, then more it's more likely that people will run it than if, if it's just a blank game. And you have to figure out stuff yourself. Are you are you a person that goes through and does does routing and stuff like that? Is that something that you enjoy? Because I know that there's uh, there's a pretty big difference yes. between routing and speed running. So yes, uh, I'm one of those people who think doing runs is the worst part about speed running. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me tell me a little bit about the the practice of of figuring out routes and of creating those those, those routes for speed running. Well, uh, depends on the game really. For Dark Souls, it's not that bad. You look at all the weapons, you choose the three weapons that are actually good, uh, you decide which one is fastest to get, you use that. <laughs> uh, there's there's different variations. I mean, if people want to run, you know, Broken Sword, Tracer only, then they can. But the fastest route, at least for Dark Souls 1, will, you know, consist of a Black Knight weapon or the Dragon Tooth because of the Muso glitch. Uh, I just that, that's basically all I had to say is uh, for Dark Souls at least the main thing is route out uh, what does enough damage to carry you through the game and then route around that uh, route the levels and the purchases upgrades all that around the weapon. So you're starting with a with an end goal and kind of working backwards from there. Yeah, essentially. And is that at least from my experience? I know other people might route differently. What uh like what is the because obviously that takes a lot of planning and you have to know quite a bit about the game to be able to do that um just yeah. you know just from a pure mechanic standpoint the process of actually implementing that plan is that is that something that you try to improve every single time in other words like hey this I got to get this Black Knight Halbert what's the quickest way and do you experiment within those those parameters basically like what's the fastest way there if I drop down here yeah if I drop down yeah there? you you definitely segment the run into into segments, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to figure out what's the fastest way, like, oh, you know, do I get Goldfire Resin for Taurus Demon, or do I skip him entirely, go through Valley of Drakes, and do him later? Uh, what's faster, you know? Just, just figuring that stuff out. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of time spent just doing the same segment over and over again with different routes, timing each one, Comparing them, seeing what works best. What's the what's the process for timing it like? What are you are you sitting there with the stopwatch? Uh, there is a timer, a timing software called Live Split, mm-hmm. and there is a plugin for that that basically reads the in-game time for Dark Souls. So uh, you just make a save file with the Speed Souls Save Organizer TM <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the at the beginning of the segment. You time it, run through it uh, with the timer on, see how, how long it took. Then you load the save file again, do a different route with the timer again, compare the two, which one's faster ones. That's, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's pretty and then, that's pretty standard across all speed runs, I would imagine, because that's, yeah. that's, whenever you look at Twitch, like it seems like everybody's using kind of the same stuff with that. Yeah. yeah. How much of... Uh, 
so if you're creating these routes and you're like implementing these routes into speed runs, um, are you then sharing that back with the community and saying like, Oh, Hey, I found a way to shave 10 seconds off of this one particular segment. Yeah, obviously speed running is not a competition. It's a group effort. So everyone shares strats. I'm, I'm like, is that, I'm curious because the internet is the internet. <laughs> like, and, and people yeah. are, are, are as good or as bad as they are in real life. Uh, if, is there has there been a situation where somebody says, "Hey, if you do this, there's you know you can shave ten seconds off," but another person says, "Well, you have to be able to prove that before we're going to be able to listen to you," or is it just kind of trusted in the community that if you know once you get to a certain point, people know which people trust you to know what you're doing? Well, it depends. It depends on how big it is. Uh, usually, people uh, would like video proof. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like if if someone says, "Oh, you can do." You can jump to lower on the berg from this point in the map by using the Uchigatana R2. Uh, I'd like to see a video of that before trying it. Uh, and uh, well, there's but some minor stuff like for uh, for the any person speedrun of Dark Souls One, which I'm not sure you're familiar with it, but you basically go to the DLC like as soon as possible get the purple coward's crystal from the arena and use that to wrong warp, wrong warp to the kill. <laughs> so someone has figured out that when you talk to Dusk uh, to actually get to the DLC, you can actually just kill her and that's one second faster. Uh, and yeah, he didn't really have a video. He made like a spreadsheet of, you know, timing, killing her versus talking to her. And it was like around a second faster every time he killed her. And no one really thought of that before, because in like every route that goes into the DLC, you want to talk to Elizabeth, the mushroom, and buy a hidden body from her. Uh, but for any person, you don't really need it, because you don't go to Manus. You don't need to go through Hellbridge. So you don't need hidden body. You don't need Elizabeth. So you can kill Dusk. Yeah, and it's, it's those tiny things. Yeah, that's... That, that, that's interesting. Are there are there more examples of that where somebody has come along and been like, oh yeah, if you do this, it can shave off like a significant amount of time in these segments. That's fascinating to me. Uh, I'm fairly new to the community, so I think that's like the the one recent thing of uh, I can think of. But well, another thing I guess would be uh, just random <laughs> random people figuring out fig- figuring out stuff that. Uh, the community has been struggling with uh, like the whole thing with flexing or ESM uh, where just someone figured out that there is a leftover mechanic from Demon Souls in Dark Souls with the weight limit and you can use another glitch called quantity storage uh, to buy 999 pikes from Andre which uh, yeah, I'm into this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, which puts your weight at around ten thousand because uh, the pike weighs ten units, which crams your inventory. That that's called being crammed, where you can't pick up any more items because the weight limit is full. So now you can't take off a ring for some reason. For some reason, it just it doesn't like think take off your ring, you just get a dialogue prompt saying question mark, dialogue question mark. <laughs> I'm guessing because your inventory is full if you try to take off a ring uh, and put that's, it into That's inventory. my assumption. Yeah. But Interesting. Rings don't weigh anything, so it makes even oh, less yeah. sense. Yeah, I guess. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then people have figured out that there's a, like, a pointer thing, so 
each slot in your inventory points into an, to another slot. And there's a chart on speed souls. You can look up, look that up uh, if you want to. Uh, so for some reason, like, you know how you open a slot in your inventory, for example, you know, the head slot, and it shows all the helmets. So what you can do is you can open that and close it to, like, keep the helmets in the game's memory. Uh, then you do an animation, for example, using a humanity. And in that animation, you open up the inventory, try to access, uh, for example, the second right-hand slot, right? And it won't, it won't actually open because you're in, in an animation. Uh, so it'll like, play the little sound. Mm -hmm. uh, but then what you do is you go to your ring while the animation is still happening and spam the you know, remove item uh, button, which is usually square. And you get the dialogue pop-up as usual. But then, because the second right-hand slot points to the first right-hand slot, it opens the first right-hand slot menu, but the game still remembers helmets. So it shows you the helmet. And you can put a helmet in your hand. <laughs> and then, this is the best part. <laughs> so, <laughs> items share IDs. Uh, certain certain item types share IDs. Mm -hmm. So if you just so happen to have a priest hat on you and put it in your hand, you'll get a Black Knight sword. That is... Okay. Yes. And uh, you, you know how you upgrade uh, armor with normal Titanite. Well, a priest hat plus five is a Black Knight sword plus five. So there's literally a route called priest hat plus five. <laughs> For the game, in which you use the priest hat to kill everything, it's wonderful. <laughs> that's that's like Dark Souls .txt to me, man. I, I just I love how broken this game is in, in some great it's, ways, man. That this that is it's just so broken. Yeah, that's so so much fun. How do you how do you decide? I mean, obviously, you you, you mentioned earlier that you enjoy routing more than you do the actual running, but uh, how do you decide which ones that you're going to? to run is it based on the the completion times or is it based on how fun or challenging the run is like what do you when you you personally are making that decision like okay i'm going to do it this way now what what goes into that thought process uh for me it's usually about the length of the run for example all bosses to me is a bit long uh especially at my skill level which takes about two hours compared to the uh the good good runners runner uh, hour and a half mm -hmm. uh i usually like taking on some more obscure things so stuff like least bosses or uh, my personal project low percent and uh, that's that's mostly what i uh, what i do is like meme categories essentially <laughs> low percent being uh try to complete the game with doing as little as possible i'm guessing uh there is a tracker for mm -hmm. completion made by Kamal. uh it, it tracks area completion, so stuff like NPC quest lines, item pickups, uh, unique unique item uh, or sorry unique enemies killed, so stuff that doesn't respawn, uh, gates uh, locked doors open, stuff like that, and uh, the intention is obviously to to just track the completion and do everything like in a hundred percent speedrun, but I just flip the idea upside down completely. I'm, and I'm trying to do as, you know, as low completion as possible. 
which happens to have some quite interesting skips which wouldn't be used normally. Like, let me just give you an example. Getting full control early and doing a series of complicated jumps to jump from Firelink to Valley of Drakes without opening the one door just to save some percentage. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> What's your lowest percentage so far? As I think I've done a run with around 4%, but it can go lower. Do you know, is there, like, I'm sure people are competing for the record on that. Do you know what the, the record is? <laughs> no, no one is competing for that. No, nobody, it's just you. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah, no one cares about low percent. <laughs> See, that's the stuff uh, that I, I find fascinating, though, because it's a, uh, um, there's so much stuff in Dark Souls that are, is so obscure and opaque that, uh, you know, trying to figure out ways around locked doors and things, I think it's fascinating. I didn't even know you could fall from Fire Lake Shrine to Valley of the Drakes. Like, that seems impossible to <laughs> me. So, I'm I'm very... Do you put up... Uh, obviously, we'll get to later to where you can be found on the internet, but do you put up stuff like that on the internet? Like, are you are you uploading videos anywhere of that or streaming uh, it as you're doing it? Yeah, I, I stream and I upload uh, usually PBs or little strats that I find. Not much there still recently, though. I've been focused on other projects. What have you been doing recently? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I've been actually uh, preparing for a marathon that is happening tomorrow, which... For listeners, it's not tomorrow. Yeah, for listeners, uh, that was 18 months ago because I'm so far ahead of this podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been uh, mostly running a lot of obscure games, games that no one's really heard of. Uh, stuff like, you know, uh, Shovelware from 2004. Oh, okay. Or cool. yeah. Unity games from itch.io. Stuff like that. <laughs> Is the marathon doing... Uh, like is it supporting charity or is it just what what, what are you guys doing? Uh, I think it's just for fun. Cool. As far as I know. Yeah. Well, I hope that hope that goes really well. It's uh, I've I've done a couple of marathons, uh, but just done like a small section, like taking over for somebody so they can sleep for a couple hours, and it's oh yeah, it's exciting and fun, but it it feels like way more pressure than just streaming on your own for me anyway. Oh, definitely. I don't, yeah, when I stream on my own, I have like you know five people in there maybe. So. Oh, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> But I have all of my um, sub alerts and you know cheer stuff. I've got all that programmed out. No, I'm kidding. I don't do any of that. <laughs> I'd be kind of ridiculous. Donate at this link. <laughs> what do you uh? When, so besides low, low percent, which I find I find funny, like what other meme categories of speedruns are are you doing? Uh, for myself, yeah. uh, in in Dark Souls, not really much. Um, I guess just like randomizer stuff is the biggest meme I can think of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, item randomizer. Racing that is so fun. <laughs> so is that something? So when you're saying um, item randomizer, that I've because I've seen Lobos do a little bit of the the like, you know, completely uh, changes the world or, or whatever, um, and like that new scorched contract thing that I, I, I was watching the other day. Um, but you're saying uh, racing, so you both players have no idea where any of the weapons are, and it's just kind of... Uh, well, we use the same seat, so we yeah, yeah, have yeah. our games are randomized the same, but yeah, it's basically a blind playthrough of people who know how to play the game. We, we just have to look for items and uh, choose the best weapon that we get out of the things we get, and it's different every time, which makes it so fun. 
Yeah, what's the you know what's the strategy there? Like, do you have because you obviously you don't know where things are. So, do you go to where things most likely would be? Like, does it change drops and stuff? So, well, there is a thing called race mode, which means key items can only be in ember spots, chests, or black knights, or other key locations. Okay. Uh, so you basically just have to memorize where all of that is. And go to those places, look for the key items, and <laughs> hope you get a decent weapon along the way. Uh, and yeah, just use that. And the goal is to get to, to Gwyn, or the goal is to beat all bosses, or...? Uh, depends. It's all, you know, uh, the racers decide their own rules. It's for, for the Speed Souls community, it's usually all bosses, because that's the most popular category. All bosses, it seems um, like to me. I, w- I was really surprised when I first learned that there was uh, all bosses. Like this was me not just not knowing anything about speed running in general, but I always just assumed that it was always try to get the lowest time possible, no matter what. And then uh, oh, yeah. the, adding extra challenges into that, and then having and comparing records across that is something that's super super cool to me because like that changes that dramatically changes your route through the game. I would imagine having to plan for yeah, beating Manus or Calamite. That's that's which both of which are really tough bosses in the game. Yeah, they are uh, probably one of the hardest bosses. Well, <laughs> that's that's another thing. Uh, see, for for a casual player like yourself, uh, Manus is obviously very difficult, right? Or you know, Kalami, all that. Uh, but for for a speedrunner, one of the worst bosses is actually Gwendolyn, because he can waste like a minute by just giving you the wrong attack, and you can't can't go for him. Because the builds and the speedruns are very specific, you, you don't really get to tank much damage. So if he just decides to spam soul mass, you, you just have to hide in the corner and wait. <laughs> that would be so incredibly frustrating. I fought Gwendolyn before where he does that, and it's like yeah. it feels like the fight takes 27 hours to finish. So I can only imagine like having a clock ticking while that's happening and getting frustrated with it would be. Yeah, it's wonderful going from, you know, minus 30 seconds to plus a minute and a half. <laughs> in one boss fight that's so aggravating and that you know when you're when you're playing just for yourself uh is when you get to like a kind of a run killer like that is that just an automatic restart for you or do you just kind of power uh, through because you want to practice the rest of the run well for me i don't get i i that that time loss is not really impactful because my my time is so bad that i can easily shave off like you know 20 minutes so losing two is not that big of a deal. Uh, for runners, from what I notice, it's usually if they don't die, they'll continue. Uh, a death is usually a reset, though. Hmm. Interesting. So you, yeah. when you're doing it, you're just you're really because you're you know you're not going to get that like world record or anything. You're just continuing to go for, through it because yeah, you just want to just, just want to play. Yeah. yeah, I just don't care. Really. <laughs> It's not. It's not. I'm. I'm not taking speedrun. I don't take speedrunning very competitively. Yeah. It's. It's just a hobby for me. How long? How long have you been doing it? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, ooh, a long time. I. I can't tell you when I started. Probably like around 2013 ish. Okay. 2012. Yeah, a very long time. And that was just a general intro. Like, had you been just watching people speed run, and they were like, "Oh wait, I, I, this can seem fun. I want to do it." Yeah, basically. What do you think? It. What do you think the appeal is? Just the 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 glitchiness in general, or? Mm, 
to me, uh, at first, it was an excuse to play my favorite games again because, you know, you play a game, you beat it, what's the point of coming back, right? Uh, especially in some more linear games, then there, there's no variety, really. Uh, but with speedrunning, you can, you know, you can play the game thousands of times, trying to get your time lower and lower. So that was my initial reason to start. And then, I don't know, I just enjoy the community, I suppose. Do you have a, uh, a, a favorite run, either of yours or someone else's, that you can you always go back to and it's like, holy shit, this is, this is the best? Mm. Well, uh, definitely any of the Super Meat Boy runs are super impressive. Uh, and probably Celeste, the, the pretty new game, came out like a couple months ago. Yeah. The speedrunning scene for that game is insane. TGH is doing a wonderful job, but, you know bringing the time lower and lower. Yeah, that's uh that's I think that's still Switch exclusive, is that right? No, no, no. It, it's on it's PC on, as well. It's on PC, it's okay. on PS4. Oh, is I, it? I think it's on Xbox. I did not know it was on PS4. I haven't actually picked it up even though I was really curious about it. So Oh, you definitely should. It's it's definitely it jumped up to my favorite game of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a strong recommendation. Yeah, but there is a it's really, one of the one of the writers for uh, Welcome to Night Vale was on this podcast a few months back, and they were uh, he was saying how much Celeste, how much he was enjoying Celeste because of the uh, a lot of the difficulty options. Like it just allowed him to kind of oh, structure yeah. that game the way that he wanted to, which is something that's kind of fascinating. That it appeals to both like a casual player or a speedrunner that wants to do it as hard as possible, as fast as it can go. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's got. A lot of very good design choices, which I really like, and the game itself is just wonderful. Has has speedrunning Dark Souls or uh, any of these games kind of changed the way that you approach games? Like when you get a, I guess do you, do you play like new games? Like when a, like you know God of War comes out, sixty bucks. Like are you are you in for that, or are you just mostly kind of focusing on speedrunning older games and things like that? Well, uh, I. Generally, don't really care about newer titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was even the case before speedrunning. Uh, it's it's really for me. It's definitely a uh, look at the game, do some research, see how it plays, and all that before buying anything. Like God of War, I was never really, really never really interested in the series. So <laughs> that's a pretty bad example. But sure, yeah, that was just uh, the, the most recent like AAA <laughs> yeah. title I could think of off the top of my oh, head. Yeah. I generally dislike dislike AAA. Okay. Uh, I prefer indie stuff. Uh, I know Undertale was one of the games I picked up really quickly after it released because it just looked really fun. I like Bullet Hell. I like uh, Toho and all of that. So Undertale seems like a decent game. Uh, turns out it wasn't really, but you know. <laughs> when you do pick up a, when you do pick up a, a new game. Does your does your speed running brain kind of get in the way of your playing for fun brain? Like that was one thing that. Um, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> anytime that I, I had to do like video game homework for a podcast, like it feels it makes my hobby feel like work, and it's not as not as much fun then. Well, I wouldn't say it takes away from the fun, mm-hmm. but I definitely get through games quicker than you know the average player. Uh, I tend to uh, you know just 
having speedrun a variety of games like you know platformers, shooters, <laughs> stuff like Dark Souls RPGs uh, definitely you know raised my skill in a lot of those genres. So like if a a normal player can finish Celeste, just as that example because I really like that game, mm-hmm. uh, can finish Celeste in an average of eight hours. I finished it in four just because I like platformers a lot and I'm decent at them. Uh, and yeah, I, I tend to rush through uh, stuff. Like, yeah, you know, there's an area with a whole bunch of enemies. I'm not going to kill them all. I'm just going to run through. <laughs> <laughs> when you played, I'm curious how much, like when you played Dark Souls 2 or, or, or 3, did you, is that something that you did? Because I found myself doing that with Dark Souls 3 is, you know, that's the fifth game in that series that I had played. So if I died like four or five times to the same enemy encounter, I would just run past it because fuck it, who cares? Oh, yeah. Uh, not so much in 2, but in 3, I ran past a lot of stuff on my first playthrough. Uh, in 2, I actually... <laughs> you, you get so much damage early on that it really doesn't take that much time to kill stuff, so I did it anyways. Cool. Do you think playing Dark Souls has changed the way that you play video games or the way that you approach video games at all? Or changed you as a person? Uh, I wouldn't say changed me as a person. I don't have a video that, you know, Dark Souls cured my depression on my YouTube channel. Uh, (laughs) But I I definitely look at game design as a whole in a a different way after playing Dark Souls. Uh, Which, by the way, Dark Souls is not a masterpiece at all. (laughs) But I still like it, and you're allowed to like it. I'm not going to flame you on Twitter or anything. Um, can, you, can you go into some more detail on that? Like what you because my, Dark Souls is often held up as a you know like a pinnacle of game design, but oh um, yeah, this is just my, Miyazaki's masterpiece, Dark Souls one, best yeah, game out of ten IGN. I think a lot of people that actually <laughs> play the game um, and don't think about the game a whole lot don't necessarily agree. Like there's some there's some pretty egregious design decisions that they did throughout the. I mean, you yeah, know, Lost Isolith is is a huge one. Um, I mean, Lost Isolith isn't really design. Uh, <laughs> so, as yeah. far as I know, <laughs> as as far as I know, they didn't have time to finish Isolith uh, when they were developing the game. So what they did is they hired another studio to do Isolith for them, which is why it's terrible. Why Bed of Chaos is just uh, like. If you really think about Bed of Chaos, it's a very video gamey boss, right? Break the weak points, go to the middle, kill the boss. But it doesn't fit in the Dark Souls formula because Dark Souls is all about, you know, dodge, attack, all that. Uh, there's a lot of just terrible design in Dark Souls. The most obvious one is Tomb of Giants, which is this dark area. It's You can't see shit. Uh, you have to replace your shield with a lamp unless you are a magic user, in which case you can cast a spell or, you know, put on the sunlight magnet that, you know, 2% of the players will actually find in the first playthrough before Tomb of Giants. Uh, you can't see anything. The enemies there will basically one or two shot you. So you're forced to run through, uh, like, not forced really, but uh, <laughs> strongly encouraged to run through the area while having no idea where to go, not seeing anything. And you just blind suicide run until you find the bonfire. Uh, that's how the whole area feels. Like I still don't know the layout of Tomb of Giants having put 600 hours into the game. <laughs> I just know how to get to Nito. 
Yeah, I don't know that I could. Uh, for example, like the getting the divine ember, um, or the great divine, large divine ember, which whenever whichever one is down there in the two uh, giants. I think it's the large one. Yeah, um, yeah, because the the normal one is over there by the, by the butterfly. But uh, yes, the uh, like that section and trying to get in there and then out of there. Or, or even like getting to the tomb of giants and trying to get back into the catacombs to, to leave. Like that's supposedly possible. Oh god! And people have yeah, told me that possible. they have that they have done it. But like, I have done it exactly once in a rando race because <laughs> I couldn't find a lord vessel. Mm-hmm. Never again. <laughs> Do not rest at that qualifier and tomb. Uh, yeah, randomizer has basically forced me to learn where the black knight is and where the ember is, and that's about it. I know the bonfire, <laughs> ember, black knight. Nito. That's that's all I know of Tomb of Giants. <laughs> <laughs> and like ninety percent of uh, of you know Dark Souls players that you ask will not know how to get through Tomb of Giants. Well, they will know how to get through it, but they won't like have explored it fully. You know what I'm saying, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a difference between uh, like I could tell you w- where literally everything is in the Berg. Like I, I've played that area enough that I, you know, where the items are, like where where the st- where the stairway is, where the ladder is, all of that stuff. Like I could yeah. get everything in there in my mind. Versus Team of the Giants, where I know how to get from the bonfire to the tunnel, and I don't really care about anything in between. And I don't even go. I don't even bother with that second bonfire at the bottom. Like I don't even. I don't oh, yeah, damn no. about it. Like that seems like the worst bonfire you could possibly do, unless you were no, having why would trouble. You, why would you get that? <laughs> yeah. Um, a friend of mine. Uh, does a series or was doing a, a soul level one run and um, he was doing it on PS3. This was before the remaster came up. He, he just finished it. And uh, we have this thing where he, he wanted to do some PVP and I, that was kind of what I did in dark souls one was a bunch of PVP. So uh, he invited me on and like we did soul level one PVP. And uh, for the second time we did that once we got into, once he got into the DLC, um, we decided to do like races, but not, like speed run races like you guys are talking about where you both run the game separately from one another we literally he'd, he would summon me and we would race through the tomb of the giants or, or whatever and and i have to say that just since we're talking about it racing through the tomb of the giants is just some of the most hilarious fun and like have some crazy oh shit moments because you kind of it's easy to go through it but like if you were has, has if you have another summon there like activating you know aggroing enemies from far away or, or oh, whatever no. it's, i can imagine <laughs> and, the, and it's it's if you've never done that like do that with some friends sometimes like we're going to try to get it up for the remaster and do some soul level one races through a bunch of different areas but uh it is it's a lot of fun but man it's it's crazy so yeah i can imagine that jeez as a uh, as someone that you know 600 hours in a dark souls one but doesn't particularly care about any of the other games uh what would you want to see from software do in the future like what what kind of game could they release are you even watching for what they release or are you just kind of ignoring everything mm. <laughs> I, i'm interested in what they do mm-hmm. interested in seeing it not necessarily playing it uh i've seen shadows Day twice the, the whole tr- quote-unquote trailer because can you really call it that a thing moves. That's that's the whole thing. It's a teaser. Uh, yeah, think, it's definitely a teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what it is. I really hope it's not Bloodborne 2. I really think they should step away from the Souls formula as a whole. Because let's be honest. Compare like Demon Souls and Dark Souls 3, how it's been going. It's basically going down. Downhill. For the, for the entire series. Like Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1, I'd say, are on the same level-ish. Demon's Souls is a lot more gimmicky. 
Darkseus 1 is a lot more straightforward. And then, you know, Darkseus 2, Darkseus 3, Bloodborne. I haven't played Bloodborne. I don't really like it. I know a lot of people love it. I, a lot of people think it's the best game in the series. Uh, I personally don't like it. Uh, but it's easy to see that they've been slowly degrading uh, in quality. The, the formula is getting old, I think. And they really need to try something new. Yeah, a lot of people are, are I think, excited that, that Shadows Dutch Rise might be just that, like a return to their kind of weird PS2 era, uh, you know, like stuff like the Kuan. Like I've, I've watched a friend play Kuan quite a bit lately and um, like weird horror games that play like almost plays like Silent Hill games to an extent. Uh, oh, yeah. And seeing, seeing a kind of a return to that because I think that's something that we don't really get a lot of in, in games today is like the kind of the you know when ps2 when the ps2 was a, a big huge system like you would get weird games that just like why did they make this who made this what are these weird people and that doesn't seem to exist anymore i'd like to see more of that well my friend <laughs> may i introduce you to the wonderful world of itch.io <laughs> where you can find all of the indie games ever <laughs> the, all just, of the porn games jesus Christ, there's so much porn on the website is there really <laughs> All I know yeah, from uh, itch.io is like you know weird twine games or, or whatever. That's that's all I've really seen on there. I don't I don't I haven't spent a lot of time deep diving there. It's it's basically the direct com- competition to Steam, and Steam doesn't allow porn on their service. Mm-hmm. So where do those people go? To itch, <laughs> and just scrolling past, you know, oh, magical slavery NSFW plus eighteen for free. Download now. No thanks. So, Rhythm, thank you very much for uh, podcasting with me this morning. I, I very much appreciate it. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, YouTube. I've just written. Uh, I have two accounts, so uh, just pick the one with the lower numbers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm on Twitter rumbling about speedrunning and other uh, unrelated stuff at Just Rhythm. Okay. And I'm on Twitch streaming like once or twice a week. Uh, Rhythm underscore SR. Awesome. And uh, just check out the show notes for all of those links, and you can uh, you can go subscribe or follow or whatever the current vernacular for all those social networks are. So, uh, again, thank you, Rhythm. I really, much, really very much appreciate you coming on and explaining some speed stuff, speed running stuff to us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the different ways you can support the show, like Patreon, buying t-shirts. You can go like or review the podcast. That's always very helpful for me. And it's always very nice to hear what you have to say. Uh, If you want to be on the show, I haven't said this in a while, just email me dgspodcast at gmail.com my uh my list is is ever growing um but i've you know i try to get i try to get through it as fast as i can so just bear with me um in the meantime thank you everybody for listening it's very much appreciated and remember don't give up skeleton and we're good wow that was that went faster than the folks telling me Did you have your live split on the podcast? I didn't even ask that question. I should. Of course. <laughs> World record. Now we'll give up to, still 100%. Yeah, now we'll do it uh, next week.